We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Good morning, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in hot and humid St. Louis, Missouri. And again, I'm smiling because this is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski, and I'm from the beautiful comfort of Northfield, Minnesota, where we've been in the 70s and the 80s the last few weeks, <laughs> you, which is why we come to Minnesota in the summertime. That's right. Do you even have air conditioning up there, John? Do you need air conditioning? Well, now here's the funny thing. It's a funny. It's interesting how people get acclimated, because yes, up here when it gets to be 80 degrees, and you and I have been going, whoa, wow, that's nice. It's 80. They're going, man, it's so hot. <laughs> it's so humid. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's air condition up here. Uh, their their whole perspective in terms of temperatures is totally different than ours. You have to remember this is also the place where when it gets to be freezing, they say, oh, my, we can wear our shorts and our T-shirts today. <laughs> when it gets to be freezing, Matt, 32 degrees. That's it's, it's a different breed up there in Minnesota, it, I guess. It, it, it is. Yeah. I, before we go any further, though, we, we uh, I have to share a headline with you because this just made me smile, and I think it'll make our listeners smile as well. We're we're on the listserv for the uh, Food and Drug Administration, and so every day they send us an email uh, telling us what we shouldn't eat <laughs> because it's been banned. <laughs> oh, no. Or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, been withdrawn, recalled. So here's the headline we had a couple of days ago. It says, Raymar Foods recalls mint chocolate chip with hidden spinach ice cream because of possible health risk. And I'm thinking, of course, it has hidden spinach. (laughs) So the spinach is the problem, really. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it is. Who thought that was a good idea, Ben or Jerry? (laughs) Do do we really want hidden spinach? And it's hidden, Matt. It's not just that it's there, but you can't see it. It's hidden. And now I'm scared to eat ice cream. I'm glad they they ferreted it out and they were (laughs) cracking down on this hidden spinach problem. But is is uh, uh, Ted Drew's open, Matt? Are they working? Oh, they're open, and there's no hidden spinach over Ted Drew's, let me <laughs> <Well>, tell you. <laughs> you better check. There might be some kale or creamed carrots in there or something. I, I don't know. I will, do my, I will do my due diligence and check <laughs> as much yeah. as I can, John. Yeah, check it through it. So anyway, we're just letting all of this know, stay away from the Raymar mint chocolate chip because it's got hidden spinach in it, people. <laughs> You can't lick around it. (laughs) You you never know. (laughs) All right. I just saw that. I thought that's that's just crazy. I'm glad you're here, John. But your FDA is on top of this stuff, Matt. They're on top of it. Good. Wherever they find the hidden spinach, they're pulling it out. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you want to talk about today, Matt? Did we say what the show is, John? Oh, not again. Do we have to? <laughs> yes, this is <laughs> wrestling, wrestling with the basics. With the basics. Your, your, your up-to-date FDA guidelines provided here weekly. That's right. Oh. A public service to all of our listeners. <laughs> That's right. 
Oh, no, I do miss that. I do miss the Ted Drews. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back and having some oh, of that. Oh, yeah. I, just yeah. two nights ago, I had a jumbo hot fudge Sunday. We oh, walked from our house. Oh. It was great. Uh, it'll, yeah. That'll cool you down. <laughs> well, there you go. In 90-degree temperatures, you need some good Ted That's Drews. right. Uh, where are we going, Matt? We, we, I know you've been doing Jeremiah all summer. How appropriate the weeping prophet. Yeah. Who wouldn't be weeping in this kind of weather? I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, t- 2020 is kind of a, a weeping kind of year so yeah, far with COVID and, yeah. uh, all those scares and unrest in, in our land and beyond. So yeah. We and spinach and the ice cream. Spinach and the ice cream worth. of all the things I know. Now yeah. we're messing with ice cream for crying out loud. That's <laughs> yeah. one thing we had going for us. Uh, so it, we want to look at Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, because okay. uh, he knew suffering well in his 40-year ministry. Uh, and boy, uh, his words speak to us very much today. So we want to look at Jeremiah chapter 11. And we're going to start with uh, verses 21 to 23. And uh, here's an additional reason why Jeremiah has reason to weep. So and, uh, and, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, Matt, and that's what tickles me, because I think, well, maybe it'll be a little more upbeat. But but I noticed the title in, in my Bible says Jeremiah's complaint. Yeah, so, <laughs> so so apparently it's not gonna get any better. So this, yeah, so here's the deal. Yeah, things are so bad that Jeremiah starts complaining to God. But this is kind of the setup for that. So this is in okay. uh, chapter 11, 21 to 23, we see why Jesus, or excuse me, why Jeremiah complains. And and maybe he has reason to. All right. So let's uh let's let's hear those words and uh begin with verse 21. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life and say, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and none of them shall be left. For I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. Who in the world are the men of Anathoth? Man. Good question. So, so who's? Do you remember who's from Anathoth, John? We I have no briefly. idea. <laughs> um, so, so Jeremiah himself is Jeremiah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, and and the guys in Anathoth now, what are they doing? What are they? What are they seeking to do to Jeremiah in those verses? They want to kill him. That's they wanna, exactly. They want to kill him. Um, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. It says they want to kill him because he's speaking God's word. And they don't like what Jeremiah has to say. So they are out to get him, to kill Jeremiah, to make sure he doesn't have any descendants who's going to speak God's word either, to silence him. And really, what what to add insult to injury is, again, Jeremiah himself is from Anathoth. So these are, these are that's the hometown crowd. This is uh, his neighbors. These are his people he grew up with. Uh, well, isn't that, isn't that what the New Testament says? The prophet has no honor in his own home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, already we can start to see the parallels, can't we, between uh, Jeremiah and Jesus, right? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, um, I, I think of Jesus too, you know, how people conspired against him. Uh, certainly people in his own hometown, they try to isn't that where they try to push him off a cliff, John and Nazareth? Yes, yes, throw him off a cliff. Uh, throw yeah, him off a yeah. cliff, you know, and that's where Jesus grew up. That's the people he knew. Uh, and maybe that's all the more reason why they did it. There's no honor. You know, this is just Jesus, you know, the carpenter's son. What does he have to say? And, and maybe people had the same thing to say about Jeremiah. Now, this is just Jeremiah. What does he have to, what, what reason does he have to say these things that we don't like to hear? 
Um, well, yeah, because doesn't doesn't Jesus call for his hometown people to repent as well? I'm trying to remember that that particular story. Um, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I, I, you know, and and I think it even goes deeper than that with Jesus. You know, in Mark's gospel, they even say that uh, his family thinks he's crazy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. early on in Mark's gospel. I, I always was interested by that too. And maybe Jeremiah's conspirators even include his own family members, like it did with Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, you think about, uh, you know, Jesus, of course, then he's betrayed by one of his own, finally, one of his own disciples with a with a kiss uh, because Judas presumably didn't like what Jesus had to say. Uh, and here it is with Jeremiah. So like you said, John, I mean, nothing new, right? Um, people out to get Jeremiah, people out to get Jesus. And uh, I think it just kind of shows that, hey, um, sharing God's word can be kind of a dangerous business sometimes. Uh, and we, we see that today, too, um, in our world, certainly. Um, there was a just real quick, there was a, a story of a, a pastor who had a, a five year old son who he'd read to every night. And uh, they just read out of the a children's Bible and they heard stories about Joseph and, and Jeremiah and Peter and Paul and Stephen and Jesus and all those guys. And, and you know, each story talks about how someone's thrown into a pit or put in prison, <laughs> or stoned, or crucified. And uh, they would read those stories, and the little boy would ask his, his dad, the pastor, uh, why did they throw him in the pit? You know, why did they kill him? Why did they put him in prison? And the, the dad always gave the same answer. It was because they were sharing God's word. Um, and so the one evening, the, the little boy asked that same question. The, the dad gave the same answer. And then uh, the, the boy thought about it and asked his dad, are they going to kill you too? Um, and, uh, you know, just that idea that, you know, there is a risk associated with sharing the word of the Lord, especially when the word of the Lord isn't popular. Uh, and Jeremiah's word of, of God's judgment and discipline certainly wasn't popular in his day. And, you know, some of what we share as pastors uh, isn't maybe that popular today either uh, in 2020. Um, but, you know, I, I also think, John, it's not just uh, pastors that that uh, pertains to, but I think it's everyone, um, every Christian, uh, as we share God's word. There's yeah, there's some risk involved. There's um, I was thinking we we had we were able to still celebrate confirmation this year. I give thanks to God that we were able to do that, even with uh, the the pandemic. Uh, but you know that always strikes me in those confirmation vows how uh, those confirmants pledge to to remain faithful to God their whole life, and uh, the the wording is. Uh, to, to suffer all, even death, uh, rather than fall away from it. You know, so I think, um, you know, again, it's not just prophets and pastors, uh, but, but anyone who lives out the faith um, is going to be different from the world around them, or at least should be, and uh, have to be willing to, to perhaps suffer because of it at times. Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, Matt. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that that that's the problem. All right. So that's the problem. Uh, the people of Anathoth are out to get Jeremiah. They want to kill him. They want to wipe him out because they don't like what he has to say. And and here we go in in verse twelve. Here's Jeremiah's complaint that you brought up earlier. So John, you want to read uh, verse uh, verses one through four, and then you know be listening for what is Jeremiah's complaint in all this. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth. 
and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what's, uh, what's Jeremiah's complaint here in those verses? What would you say? Well, and, 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 and see, actually, this helps make more sense to me. Because okay. I'll be honest with you, Matt, I, I was hearing your, your thoughts about, oh, yeah, when you proclaim the word of God, you're, you might be in danger, you might be persecuted. But to be honest with you, I, I did it as a career for 40 years. And, and uh, other than a, a handful of instances, no, actually, I, I, uh, people seemed to appreciate what I was doing. I, I didn't face a lot of persecution for do that. In fact, you know, a lot of times I would go to the stores and I'd have my little collar on uh, and I might even get a free uh, cookie or something. <laughs> oh, I gotta <laughs> wear my collar more. <laughs> no, seriously, Matt. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how nice people will be to you. Or at least they used to. Maybe not anymore. Because I know I did have a person curse me out once when I had my collar on because he thought I was a Catholic priest and apparently he'd had some problems with Catholic priests as... as uh, uh, but but this part, yeah, I can identify with this because, yeah, it really does seem like the people that are wicked and treacherous, they seem like they're doing real well. Uh, they don't seem like they have the kind of problems that I have. They seem like they've got more money, certainly have bigger, fancier cars than what I'm driving. Uh, and yeah, so that's the complaint. Why would that be? Because you would think that God would punish the evil people and then good guys like me, we'd be the ones that would be prospering. Yeah, that that's exactly it. So why do good things happen to bad people? That's, yeah. that's what. Or saying. even more, why do why do good things happen to bad people? Is that what you said? That's, that's, what, probably, said. that's what you said. All right. <laughs> so even more of that. <laughs> I need to pay attention. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Why? I, yeah. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why? Why is? Why is the you know Jeremiah? I mean specifically. Why yeah. does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all yeah. who are treacherous thrive? So he's yeah. complaining to God here. And, you know, his question ultimately is why? Why? Yeah. That's the big question. Why, Lord? And uh, we ask that question of God all the time. Why? Why this? Why that? And uh, specifically in Jeremiah's case, why do the wicked thrive? So I, I think that um, what, what he's talking about here really is kind of question as a name for it. Um, we call it a theodicy. Um, so... Uh, what? I know. Theodic, it's a, what? It's a fancy theological word. Uh, theodicy. And you've heard it before, John, right? Uh, so so two Greek words make up the word uh, theos and dike. So theos means? God. God. And dike, what it, it means? I have no idea. What's it mean? Justice. I guess you could write justice. Right. Okay. Um, It's kind of this idea, this theodicy. It's not theological idiocy, like like wrestling with the basics. Not theodicy. Because that's what I thought of first. Did you recall us a bunch of idiots? But no. (laughs) Not theodicy, not idiocy. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, Matt. (laughs) So anyway... So, yeah, basically, you put those words together, God and justice. You know, it's, it's this question, yeah. God, where's the justice? Okay. You know, where's where's your goodness? Where's your power? What's going on here when the evil thrive, it seems? Uh, and, and we probably see that happening today, too. And we wonder the same question Jeremiah wondered. Um, so so this whole this whole theodicy idea, it, it's, you know, this has been around for centuries. You're questioning God and why bad things happen. 
And so it's kind of this, this unanswerable riddle. So this idea that, you know, uh, God, God can't be both good and powerful if there's bad in the world, right? So that idea that, okay, if, if, there's, if there's wrong happening in the world, either God isn't all powerful and, and it means he can't stop the wrong, or it means that God isn't good, right? He has yeah. the power to stop it, but he chooses not to because he's really not good. Um, so this idea that you know God can't be both. Maybe he's lazy, Matt. Yeah, maybe he's lazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not, it's like me. I, I'm I'm good, but I just don't ever get around to doing it. <laughs> well, you're retired. <laughs> yeah, I'm retired now. Maybe that's it. God says, "Hey, I've been I've been working this creation for a long time. You guys take care of it." <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly. Yeah, so yeah, then he's not powerful, or at least he doesn't choose yeah. to use that power, right? And no. that's that's people of boy have have struggled with that for centuries. So I, I think, you know, when when we feel like Jeremiah, when we start to complain to God, when we start to think, hey, why are the why are the, the wicked prospering? Um, I think we need to, to think about three things, okay? Uh, first, I think we need to affirm that, well, God is good, <laughs> okay? Yes. Uh, God really is good. Um, no matter what's happened in the world today, God is good. And I think uh, that scripture teaches that again and again and again. Um, you know, as we look through the, the Gospels in particular, when we see Jesus uh, embracing lepers and washing the disciples' feet, and when we hear him talk about that shepherd that leaves the 99 for one lost sheep, uh, when he talks about the prodigal son and that father's love, you know, again and again, we see God is good. And we see that most clearly in Jesus Christ. Uh, and we see that most powerfully at the cross uh, when Jesus willingly uh, suffers the beating and the humility, and finally the death of the cross. So for those who question whether God is really good or not, uh, when we see the bad things that happen in our world, no, God is good. And we see that in his word. We see that most clearly in Jesus. And so just to affirm that, I think is important. Let me, let me I've got a quote here from Paul Gerhardt, the famous oh, good. Uh, Lutheran uh, hymn writer. Yeah. He says, God does all things justly, though we do not always observe the reason of his justice. So yeah, he's always he's always good, even though we might not understand that goodness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He he is God, and we are not. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, yeah. So it's we just trust that yeah, God is good, um, even though we may not see it, like the Gerhardt quote says. Uh, the the second thing is to affirm that well, God is powerful. All right, that okay. God really is powerful. So it's not that not that he's good, but he's just kind of uh, wimpy or lazy. Uh, no, no, he's all powerful too. And again, we, we go to scripture to, to see that. Um, I like how Isaiah 40 puts it. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust, excuse me, the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. You know, whoa, you, you, you hear about that kind of power. Um, just to, to kind of look at some numbers here. There are 430 quintillion gallons of water on our planet. Um, and yet, what is that? That's St. Jeremiah. He holds them all in the hollow of his hand. You know, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, our universe is 30 billion light years from one end to the next. And yet God measures them in a span. I mean, again and again, just the power of God is just, you know, incomprehensible uh, in our human minds. Well, you think about it, Matt, he created the world out of nothing. Yeah. I, he spoke yeah. and yeah. there was light and, and uh, you know, the, the, the seas and the lands. And yeah, so that's 
there, there's no other God. You know, you got these gods out there controlling the sea, or you might have a God of, of plants, uh, but, but ours is the only God who is really the God of heaven and earth. He controls it all. Yeah. If that's not power, I don't know what is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it. That's ultimate power. So then what's the problem with him, Matt? <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I, mean, I, I think that the third thing to affirm, I think, too, is just that, that suffering really is real. You know, it's not mm. that God is good and powerful, but suffering, well, suffering is just not real, you know, or whatever. Um, no, again, scripture affirms that suffering is not an illusion. It's real. It's something that's existed since that in, that the imper- imperfection of the world came about through Adam and Eve's sin. And it's going to exist until Christ returns to make things right. So, so yeah, so God is good. God is powerful. But there's still s- suffering in the world. Um, yeah. So you have to acknowledge that. And so in the end, really, Jeremiah's theodicy and his questioning about suffering is is a bad question. I mean, it's irrelevant. It's 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 not going to lead to an answer. We can't somehow figure God out with our our finite minds. But we just have to simply say, you know, God is God, and we're not. Um, like Gerhardt put put it, you know, I, another way to summarize your Gerhardt quote: you know, God sees the big picture. We don't. Um, so to have that theodicy, to have that questioning, um, no, we we can't question God like that. No, uh, that's not how it works. Uh, But instead of questioning the Lord, uh, to trust in the Lord that he knows best. Um, Just a couple more verses, John. In uh, chapter 12, just one more verse. So Jeremiah does this complaining. Jeremiah does this questioning. Why why do good things happen to bad people? And then here's the Lord's answer in verse 5. Here we go. Here's Here's the big answer. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what God answers uh, Jeremiah's interrogation with his own questioning, right? He just answers his question with a question. You know, if, if you race with men on foot and they've weird you, how will you compete with horses? You know, if you're complaining about this, uh, Jeremiah, um, the, the threat of these individuals, uh, just wait, there may be greater suffering ahead. And how in the world are you going to handle that if you uh, are complaining about this? So it's not the most comforting of answers, uh, but uh, it's, it's another question. And, and that got me thinking about Job, you know, Job and his suffering in the Old Testament and how he, he questions God and, and his friends question God and try to figure God out. And in the end, um, what does God say? Well, he, he answers with a question. Where were you, Job, when I created the world? You know, Mr. Big Shot, if you're going to question me. Uh, and in a similar way, that's what he does with, with Jeremiah, is he uh, answers with a question. Not giving an answer, not having explained himself uh, before Jeremiah, but um, just acknowledging that he is God and Jeremiah is not. As, uh, so, again, as difficult as that might be for us to hear, uh, to not question God's uh, reasoning for suffering, but to, to have a trust in him uh, in the midst of suffering. Can, can I share with you a, a verse so that comes yeah. later on yeah. in that chapter that I think maybe you helps bet. answer? The, he, he, this is the promise God makes in verse 14. He says, Behold, I will pluck them up from their land, and I will pluck up the house of Judah from among them. So it's basically what our text started with, those verses in 22, or, or 11, rather, where he said, Look, in the end, all of these people are going to be destroyed, though. These wicked, evil people, no, no, they're going to come to an end. But here's what I thought was really cool in this final verse, because he says, after I pluck them up, 
I will again have compassion on them. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> so at the same time, God is going to be, he's going to get these evil, these wicked people that trouble us. Yeah, they're, they'll receive. And yet, he still wants to have compassion upon them as well. That yeah. is remarkable. It is. So maybe we need to add that to our list of things about God. Not only is he powerful, but he's in the end, he's always a God of love and compassion, even to the evil. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just real quick to affirm that, just uh, going to end with, you know, another why question, the most famous of why questions. Uh, Jesus on the cross, what does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know in Jesus' forsakenness that we have this promise that we're never forsaken. So again, yes, uh, in the end, we have a God who's compassionate too uh, and merciful and forgives. We see that in, in Christ himself, uh, most especially. Yeah, for sure. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics.